Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Just for Hello, and welcome to Season 31, Episode 12 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. I'm Clara. I'm Nick. And in today's episode... Eric from Texas asks how much you have to know when running a campaign in a popular setting. Michael E. replies to our discussion about when GMs take player stuff away. And Eric from New Jersey, we had, had to be very specific, we have two Eric's from very different places. Yeah. Eric from New Jersey shares N-E, a... right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> shares a LARP gaming triumph. If you'd like to contribute a question or story to the show, please do so. Please do so. Please send in emails. Email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. All right. For our Indie Designer of the Month, we have Gem Room Games, and that is the creative team-up of Dan Phipps and Akali Lari. Their work can be found at shop.gemroomgames.com for physical or gemroomgames.itch.io for digital copies. Our featured game of theirs this week is Federation Human Resources. Federation HR is a collaborative party game designed for one more or more players socializing online to your favorite science fiction space exploration media franchise. Band (laughs) together to do your thankless duty, filing incident reports about the misadventures of the crew on your starship. The captain is confident that this will be your easiest assignment. You're going to wait and see. I need this game immediately. This sounds fantastic. (laughs) I love space paperwork. And you can find it at gemroomgames.itch.io, and it's... Very, very cute and very fun. And you're just like, the whole time you're like, oh, yeah, no, this Shatner would be a problem. Like, (laughs) Captain Kirk, mm, there'd be a lot of paperwork there. Yeah, Yeah, being the HR HR person on the starship. Yeah. I was going to say, I will do my taxes if it's space taxes. (laughs) Right? That would be so good. For legal reasons, I do do my taxes. (laughs) I'd make a doctor's appointment if it was a space doctor's appointment. Yeah, yeah, I'd go to the space therapist. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, um, yeah. And I keep the, like thinking about it. I'm like, okay, all the things that's like, all right, Deep Space Nine, like, there'd be a lot there. There's a lot there. There's so much there. I'm so, I would. You got a self-stealing stem bolt stuck where? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How exact? Never mind. Just, just minimal details, please. <laughs> Oh, my God. I love it. Yes. <laughs> All right. Mailbag number one. Who would like to read this one? Yeah, I'll do it. Okay. Hey, Happy Jacks crew. Eric from Texas here with questions regarding setting your campaign in a certain setting slash fandom slash lore. When you choose to set your campaign in an established setting like Middle Earth or the Sword Coast or Rokugan, and you recruit players for your game by trying to get them excited about the campaign, one, What's the minimum level of knowledge you want to have as a GM before you feel comfortable? Two, how do you appeal to a player who knows nothing of the setting uh, or lore of that particular place? Three, how do you deal with going off lore, killing NBCs that aren't dead yet, saving towns that were supposed to be destroyed, etc.? Thanks for the read. See you in the next email. Short but sweet. We appreciate that. that. All right, uh, question number one. What's the minimum level of knowledge that you have as a GM before you feel comfortable? Is this on the surface or is this underwater or is it in space? That's literally the most, the easiest I need to know. Yeah. I feel like if you're running a game, you got to at least like what you're working on. So you should True. know something. I feel, I feel like you actually have the most experience because you're running one ring. And yeah. You kind of are also a walking encyclopedia. I don't know if people are happy with my one ring. Like, I think. Oh, people, no. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to tell. Tolkien nerds are. Hard to please. Yeah, so a lot of people give me really great feedback. They really love it, and none of them are super, like, Tolkien nerds. So, but the group is loving it, so. I have something to address on that, actually, with the third point. But before we get there, yes, I think that you need to have a love of whatever the setting is, even Mm -hmm. if you don't understand everything about the setting. I think that you need to have at least a rough idea of where you're going to place your particular adventure and maybe some details and lore about that particular city or area of the world. 
But I don't think you need to have a comprehensive knowledge of every single place and every single lore and every single story that's happened here. Because honestly, that's kind of constraining. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like if you're running a game for fans of that property, like the Avatar The Last Airbender game, like I feel like people are getting their books now. There's a lot of like, I have a very deep knowledge of that universe. And there are some people. And so if someone's running it for me, I may know something that they don't. And if you're my GM in that situation, you kind of just have to be okay with me being like, hey, question. It turns out Kyoshi Warriors like X, Y, and Z. And they have, if you're my GM and you're like, ours don't, shut up. (laughs) If that's your style, that's fine. But like, just be willing to kind of figure out how to work with it and like say, okay, cool. I didn't even think about that. Or like, I didn't know about that until now. And it kind of ruins what I'm working on. So we'll address it later. Like it, that communication is good. I don't know. Yeah. Just be honest with what you know. That way the people at the table know what they're getting into. If you're like, hey, I'm running The One Ring and I've never read any books and I've never seen the movies, but it seems pretty. This sounds cool. Yeah, this is is nice. I I like like the pictures. Yeah. (laughs) Bling, bling. (laughs) Then, yeah, I feel like... Bling, bling, we're off to destroy the ring. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I feel like the people like at the table then will know what to expect. And that seems totally legit and totally fair and, and fine. Like... If everyone knows what they're getting into, cool. If you pass yourself off as the all-knowing expert and then you don't know all the things, that may disappoint some people. So it's better to start from an honest point, and even if that honest point is zero, than to build yourself up and expect that you're going to be able to memorize or fool people that you know all these things about. I think Clara raises a good point as well, as it depends on who you're running it for. Yeah. If you're running it for people who also don't know, then it hardly matters. If you're running it for people who are casual, it matters a little bit. And if you're running it for people who know a lot about that world, it might become a problem. I know I've been a player where I know certain things and I've made certain assumptions about how the world works Mm -hmm. because the knowledge that I already possess. And then the game master doesn't know that or doesn't want to use that lore or something. And it really can throw you for a loop. Yeah, absolutely. And being okay, just being like, cool then I'm going to work with that. Right. I will say, as a player, it's great when you don't know the lore of a thing because then you freak out everyone else who's like, you can't do that. No one's ever done that. And like, watch me. <laughs> I'll I watch all of Second Star. Um, no, but the other thing I was thinking is it could be very fun if you know nothing about the world and you just go for it. Yeah, absolutely. But like, everyone should not be mad at you for that. No. I'm never going to run a Star Trek. I now want to run a Star Trek game. You should. I'm going to run a Star Trek game. I've only ever seen DS9 and the Abrams movies. Figure that out. That'll be fantastic. Oh, that'll be great. Yeah. A menace. And I think as a player, you have to go into playing a game realizing that not everyone's going to get everything 100% perfect. There's going to be, no matter how much of a fan someone is, you're going to run into in an RPG, unless they're running it like on total rails, you're going to run into things that they maybe don't know. I know a ton about Middle Earth. The Kai in my game probably knows a little more than I do, but they are amazing about like, just, I'm enjoying it. I'm having fun. It's amazing. But Dave did a thing in the last game and both of us kind of looked at each other and we're like, I don't know. Do you know? No, no, I don't know. Dwarves are kind of our weak spot spot for both of us. <laughs> we're like, I think it's like five generations ago that caused the doom fell, but I think it, it might've been a little less. And like, we were like in like, okay, lifespan of dwarves counting back <laughs> how many, you know, we got it in the ballpark. We were pretty good. But, like, knowing exactly how many years prior Cause of Doom fell wasn't, like, right on our the, our tip of knowledge at that moment. So there's going to be moments, that's a terrible example, because that's very minutia, but... But that's exactly yeah, what we're talking about Exactly. Here. And people who, even people who know it really well at that moment might forget it or not remember it or whatever. Um, we're all human. We've all had those days where it's like, I only had one cup of coffee today. I can't remember my own name. I'm not going to remember how to speak Quenya today. I'm sorry. Brain and work. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Sometimes I make mouth sounds. Yeah. The question of how do you appeal to a player who knows nothing of the setting or lore, the same you appeal... Oh, wow. Good mouth sounds. The same way you appeal to any player you're trying to get to play a game where you find the thing that you know they're gonna like. Like, I'm not gonna go to... I'm not... I'm trying to... Examples are hard. But it's not, no one's going to come to me and be like, hey, do you want to do my hard sci-fi setting where everything sucks and also 
I'm trying to think of a thing I wouldn't like about a sci-fi set. And also, all you get to do is talk in techno babble. I'm like, that sounds like a terrible game, and I'm not going to enjoy it. Yeah. But if you come, like, if I know that Kimmy likes animals, I can be like, hey, Kimmy, I'm playing a game. You don't need to know anything about Redwall, but you do get to be a badger. Like, <laughs> badger. That's all badger, you need. That's where I go. Mushroom, mushroom. But that's the point. Like, if there's something you know someone's going to like about that world, and it's a good way to introduce them to a property you might really enjoy as well anyway. I made Clara recently playtest the most recent version of Starscape because I was like, hey, you're enjoying DS9. This is the thing we've talked about. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> Roll these dice for me. Not that she like didn't want to, but <laughs> but I knew it would appeal to her because it, the things that she'd said about DS9, I'm like, oh, my game does that thing. I like that thing. Yeah. I'm a big it, fan of feelings in space. Yeah. In an established world where there are different areas of that world, you can really appeal to someone who you know likes those sorts of cultures mm-hmm. or ways of playing. So in your world, if there are barbarians or if there are North folk who are Viking-inspired or something and you have a friend who that's their big deal, then you can sell them on the game by saying, hey, do you want to play this in A Fish Out of Water or a campaign that happens here? I think it's more about finding the things that are interesting to each of your players in the world that you're playing, yeah. regardless of whether or not the rest of it necessarily appeals to them. Mm-hmm. I like Deadlands. Mm-hmm. And if I know someone likes poker, I'm going to go, how do you want to play a person who uses poker to deal with the devil? <laughs> <laughs> I can love hucksters. <laughs> hucksters are the best. Hucksters are excellent. Yes. Yeah. And then how do you deal with going off lore? They kill NPCs, etc. Oh, can I, can I do this Please? one first? I mean, yeah, go for it. I it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> the thing about the lore is it is the lore as canon until the very moment you sit down. The moment you sit down, this is a different splinter world. And you can do anything you want. And anything they do is perfectly fine. And it doesn't affect the published work. And it doesn't affect the IP. And it doesn't affect all that other stuff. It's just what happens in your game. Do not sweat it. Do not make that an issue. The worst thing you can do is take a character and make them invulnerable because of plot reasons. I've heard this happen innumerable times in Star Wars games where they go to fight Vader and they have to lose because Vader has to survive to do all this stuff. Don't do that. Let them, if they can kill Vader, let them do it and then go on from there. Like, do not be holding to any canon anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very passionate about that. Nick's right. (laughs) Nick's right. And I also like am trying to like thread that needle with my one ring campaign. So I'm a little bit of a hypocrite. Like I'm not going to have like people come in where they're like, oh, like Sauron's going to, oh, they might kill him. Like none of that's going to happen. But I'm very, I'm trying to save the Prince and Pony because I don't, players burn places down. Prancing pony, so it's partially just for me. They but can rebuild. We don't know how old the prancing it's pony true. is. This has been mentioned a couple of times. <laughs> oh, yes, we have this as a plan B. <laughs> it's it's, not, the prancing, it's yeah. not the prancing pony, it's now the asbestos ass. Yes, <laughs> but this is also why, like, a lot of that campaign and a lot of the places that are really special to the players are not in canon. It's like we looked at the map and I was like, let's see, where is there a place where they just, oh, this is where our town will be. <laughs> you can burn this town to the ground. And nothing will... It matters not. <laughs> it matters to them as characters, but it won't screw up with anything. Why is this town called Tinderwood? Don't ask. <laughs> the, and that's the thing is like, whose story are you trying to tell? Like, why are yeah. you playing this game? Are you trying to be Luke? In which case, you might as well just do a shadow cast of like Star Wars. Are you trying to be yourself in this game and then let them kill Vader. Let them punch Sauron in the eye. Like, you should be allowed to, like, otherwise, why are you Mm role-playing? Yeah, it's weird because there are, I know I keep coming back to the One Ring because that's what I'm, like, obsessing and running right now. Sure. But that's the weird thing about this system for me. It wants the players to play in the canon. Like, it's like, you literally have to pick a patron for the party who is they have a list. It's Galadriel and Gandalf and Bilbo. And they're like, you have to tie in with the story. Here, be these characters. And I was like, mm, no, I'm going to make my own up that's not on the list. because. But how about I don't? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I get it. Like, I get why that would be really appealing to people. Mm-hmm. But again, like all my experiences, like you were just saying with Star Wars and everything else, where people try and play 
like this well-known story where they are Luke, but not Luke. Like everybody's like, oh, you're definitely trying to be Han Solo there. Cool. We know those stories. Why not play in that sandbox, but like make your own little castle? Well, I don't even mind if someone is playing a character with the serial numbers filed off. If someone's playing essentially Han Solo, but they're Don Holo, cool, fine, whatever. <laughs> Just don't try and tell the exact same story. Like yeah. you can have the same freighter and you can have a Wookiee co-pilot and you can have all that stuff. And there's part of me that's going like, okay, well, you know. But I also know that all of my characters were starting out were essentially Aragorn. Yeah. <laughs> when, when I started playing Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. I don't think that's a problem as long as you don't try and retell the story that we all know. Yeah. Because like you said, if we're doing Star Wars, then let's just read the script of Star Wars and put our own voices in there. Yeah. But if you're going to play, but there's plenty to do in that world, even if you're using the same archetypes. Yeah. And there is this idea, the story by having contact with these players, no story is going to survive contact with players, full stop. Yeah. Because they're going to burn down the Prancing Pony. Mm -hmm. They're going to call the eagles every time. <laughs> like, it's the first question they're going to ask when they sit down, and I don't have an answer. Like, or you do. McKimmy might have... No one's tried, have they? Mm, not yet. <laughs> not in that game. But, like, if the players are going to come in with their own expectations. Yeah. Also, if they are even trying to do the Four Hobbits, they're going to do something weird. Like, you know it. Yeah. So I'm never worried about my players worrying about canon so much. I do try not to bring in characters who are well-known because I can't do the voices. Ah, there's that. Yeah, yeah. like everyone now mm. expects like Gandalf to be uh, um, Ian. Yeah, so, uh, Ian Gandalf. Yeah, so it's, yeah. exactly. It's like, <laughs> I can't do that one. Like I can do some really weird, great impressions. Not that one. Uh, yeah. So yeah, no, it, it's, I also like, and I find it kind of boring. Like I'm going to, if I'm going to, Except I will play Hum Bombadil. I will show up and be Bombadil yes. and then leave. Well, and that's a great one because there's not, I mean, other than like the cartoons, there's yeah. not like a set actor that's like in their brain forever now. Yeah. So, yeah. So that one's a little, a little more free form. I love that. Someone was mentioning on, was it Twitter? That someone mentioned that they would fan cast Jack Black as Tom Bombadil. That'd be really good. And now it's just stuck in my head a little bit. I'm like, mm. that's really good. That could be great. It might be terrible, but it could also be really great. I don't know. We'll never know, we'll but never I know. need to see it. <laughs> it's so pointless. What I always like to think about, and this this will go right in that pile, is I like to think about the alternate versions where, like, the first casting mm. in a movie actually was the person who made the movie. Oh, yeah. And so, like, I want to see the version of Indiana Jones that had Tom Selleck as, as Indiana Jones. Oh <laughs> like, so all different. of those weird little things, I yeah. want to see that. So, yeah, let's. I want to see Jack Black as, uh, yeah. as Tom Bombadil now. And I feel that way about Del Toro's Hobbit movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I would have, I would give just about anything to see that. To be like, in, yeah. yeah. Just in the timeline that, yeah, that, that he, that he got made that. Them. Oh, man. And I'm, it wouldn't have been like classic Tolkien. And I'm okay with that. Like, I would have loved to see his fantastic, weird take because he, he totally adores the property. So seeing what he'd do with them would be just amazing. Yeah. I have a whole can of rant about the Hobbit movies. So. Yeah. Oh. That's for later. Yeah, that's that's that a very long, yeah. long. Yeah. Someday we'll do like Patreon only, like rants. <laughs> just the rant yeah. hour. We should do like a nerd rant just for the Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get drunk and just. just drunk and nerd rage. Yeah. yeah. Nerd. <laughs> we just want to hear some weird shit. Yeah. Here. So many thoughts. Yeah. Oh. My conspiracy theory about Twilight, not Twilight's trills from Star oh, Trek. Oh, yeah. I think about it a lot. Love <laughs> it. Okay, now I want to know. I'll tell you later. <laughs> okay, okay. Think about this so much. You don't want to make it a contact grist mail? <laughs> <laughs> Mailbag too? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. But yeah, just enjoy yourself. Have fun. And if people bitch about it, you are probably streaming. Sorry. If people the bitch about terrible. it, send them our way and we'll tell them they're wrong. Yes. <laughs> I have no problem telling people they're wrong. If people bitch about it, the block button works. Yes. Like, like, absolutely. All right. All right. I really enjoyed the discussion spawned by my players should be mature when GMs take their stuff, as well as the GMs should be mature on all things in their gaming endeavors. But I find that you missed a few points. And in any case, I really like discussion for discussion's sake. I'll add suggested topics in bold in case you have one of the venerable happy jackers on. I love that this is like the nicest way to say, um, actually, like ever. <laughs> Go for it. And your address is? <laughs> 
hovering over that block button. <laughs> no, I just, I know of a good IHOP parking lot. Throw <laughs> uh, down. Nice. Yeah. First off, I would like to congratulate you on ousting the GURPS apologist Stu, but I believe that he would have actually known that polemic doesn't mean a person from Poland, but one given to controversy, or rather it is about the argument itself, but I use the Greek word in a form used in Norway. Yes, I'm Norwegian, so feel free to read that in a Minnesotan accent, or better yet, imitate how our foreign politicians speak Norwegian, or make a point that I use the wrong grammatical form. Please drink and prepare yourself for some potential topics and discussion generated by on mic discourse. Are you I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> have we done this email before? I, I don't remember. No, no. I don't think so. I, I'm getting like the weirdest deja vu with I, you. Doing, <laughs> doing bad accents? No, with you, like someone saying, Stu would have known this, blah, blah, blah. Like this very, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I've read the email a couple times now. Okay. I don't know. Stu's not here anymore. I mean, he's so he's fine. He's fine. He's Nothing fine. happened to Stu. As Nothing. of the recording of this, of this podcast, as we said Stu before, is fine. Stu is fine. <laughs> it does sound like we had a coup. <laughs> I feel like he's just like, like I asked him, like, oh, you should come to the con. It'll be great. Oh, I don't know. My kids might be in like wrestling CIF and this and that. I'm like, I feel like you're just doing this so everyone thinks I murdered you and you think it's funny. Like, you're I making mean, me... Like, that also would be... Just so on brand. Be on brand. It is also like, Stu has inertia, so he's not going anywhere. <laughs> no. All right. Continue. I, I, I just sort of wanted to post like some, like get on the channel and post some like cryptic, <laughs> cryptic last words. I, I made the, it yeah. out. I, know. I, got, I got to the camera. No, be back. no! <laughs> the Happy Jacks ARG. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. While I appreciate the suggested straw man of me condoning killing Jason's horse <laughs> and how you quickly specified that that was not at all what you accused me of or how I reacted when you told me that you really touched on something significant. Once, we played budding heroes and to go on our first adventure, a rescue mission that was time sensitive. Our PCs borrowed some horses, even though we didn't want to as we couldn't afford to repay them if they got injured. None of us were surprised when the first encounter was a cobalt ambush but my fellow players got annoyed that my PC tried to ride his horse out of there and leaving the other behind. <laughs> this horse costs a lot of money! Good on you. <laughs> it's not paid off yet. Come on. You get horse insurance. <laughs> While the monetary issue wasn't the case, rather that I believed that the ambush would not stay still, my main focus was that I didn't want the black and white horse with the intelligent eyes to suffer. After I played the even Tolkien knew that you don't kill animals in stories, Bill the Donkey got home safely on his own card. The GM agreed that they wouldn't kill horses instead of PCs, and I agreed to stupidly follow the group's lack of tactics and stay in fights. So my question is, is killing animals in an RPG the same as fridging girlfriends? Ooh. I'm going to go grab a can for a second. <laughs> um, uh, oh, God. My first instinct is to do that. Well, actually, fridging is a completely different topic. But no, the, my only thing is, if in your lines of veils, y'all said no harm to animals, you don't harm an animal. Full stop. End of story. Yes. Move on. That's it. Like, the rule we actually... I've never had this really happen in my personal games, but the rule we worked with in Queen's Court is if you paid for it with skill points or because uh, we're playing vampire mm -hmm. and, like, having a... <clears throat> what are they called? Lairs? They're not called lairs. Having a haven mm -hmm. is a thing you can spend your points on. If you spent points on it, I'm not going to touch it because that's shitty. Right. Or if we talk about it and I'm like, you can take my lair from me, then I'll give you those points back. Mm -hmm. Like you can negotiate. Uh, Queen's Court doesn't do this, but like I would say like if yeah. you negotiate it out, it's fine. But yeah, if I spent points, time, money, whatever on this freaking horse, if you remove it from me, I'm going to be kind of annoyed. Yeah. Gold, we can get other anywhere. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's sort of, an incorrect analogy, like as someone who's spent a lot of time talking about fridging girlfriends, as far as like comic discourse online, fridging girlfriends is basically for those who don't know the term. When it specifically, it came from comic books because there was a an episode of Green Lantern where he had a long term girlfriend, like me, a big character. He came home and found her dead and stuffed in a refrigerator. But uh, she survived the nuclear blast. That's the important thing. Yeah, the other thing. But she'd been <laughs> murdered and put in a refrigerator by, like, the bad evildoer, like, to further his story. So it became kind of shorthand for when a woman is killed to further the story of a male character. So it's like, oh, 
we need you to feel bad for Green Lantern, so we're going to murder his girlfriend, and that's going to make you, like, empathize <laughs> with him, and obviously no one cares about her long enough to, like, think about that. And it's so, it kind of perpetuated victimizing women and how that was acceptable and okay and to do all these terrible, gruesome things to them, which was very common. And Gail Simone kind of became famous for this, and there was actually a full website. I don't even know if it's up anymore. Women in Fridges? Women in Fridges, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It might mm-hmm. not be up anymore, but it was there, and it was like all the examples of it because it happened all the time in comic books yeah. and movies and everything else, but specifically that it was like focused on comic books. So I kind of pushed back because I, I, that was something I was very passionate about and very upset about is a woman who liked comic books. Because, yes, hurting animals can get you to feel emotion as a player because you care about the animal. That it is not the same as killing off a human character to throw focus and move a, another male character's story forward. Okay, in John Wick. I was the only thing I, I was going to say. Unless it's John, like yeah. it is killing a girlfriend or wife to make a male protagonist have further his story. It basically, it turns the woman into an object yes. and that's shitty. And so like you can reverse the genders and it does the same thing. It just doesn't happen as often. But yeah, in John Wick, the dog dies and it does the same thing. So yeah, in some cases, killing an animal could be the same as fridging a partner. However, that's not the same as killing a horse when your players fuck up. Yeah. Or when they yeah. stole it. Yeah. And especially since you said that they weren't even your horses. You were borrowing them. Yeah. So that sounds like a lender problem to me. Right. That is a good <laughs> impetus for like more story later when the person who you borrowed the horses from comes It's like, back. hey, yeah. how's, how's my beautiful black and white yeah. horse with the golden eyes? How's the patches? They're my favorite. Yeah. I've raised them from a little foal. Yeah. Um, well. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to push back against the John Wick thing for a moment because... That is used as kind of a, a joke. like it, Yes. So it's like, oh, wow, he really cares about this dog is used as something that is considered somewhat unreasonable. That like that is the thing that tips off this entire murder spree, because that's basically what John Wick is. It's a bunch I of people dying. I get that joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's not a joke, but like. Yeah, no. But yeah, yeah it's, it's joke isn't quite the right term, but it's seen as something that's sort of like wildly unreasonable. And shows like, oh, he really cares about this dog that much. Yeah. And in the same way, and I guess wife is a step up because it is the. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, think about it. How many. You heard it here first. Claire says wife is a step up from dog. Right. Well, the commentary, because it's like, yeah. think about how many movies there are where a dude goes around killing a ton of people because they killed his woman. Yeah. And that's never played off as unreasonable or a joke. Yeah. And nobody's ever like, oh, he's doing this because they killed his woman? Like, yeah. it, the True. same way they go, oh, we, they we don't think about him. We don't think about James Bond, you know, when his wife gets killed in one of the old movies. Yeah. It being unreasonable for them wanting to bring Spectre down or whatever it is. Exactly. Yeah. So in John Wick, that's almost a commentary on this, on, mm-hmm. on the trope of, oh, someone they care about being killed and then setting that off. Yeah. But yeah, if you could be like, this guy really loved this lamp. It would, same process. Like, yeah. Fucking this lump. So many RPG characters. Whatever, I don't care what the game is. Uh, my quest for revenge because they fucked up a lamp that I love. Oh my God, I want to make it really game tied now. the room yeah. together. Really tied the room together, fuckers. <laughs> Just an angry interior designer. Oh my gosh. I now want to write like a solo RPG about <laughs> someone going on this massive quest and murder spree because of some random thing they love that you just like randomly come up with. Oh man. It's called MacGuffin. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. MacGuffins and fridges. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Sky Piper in uh, the chat points out something that I did not remember because I think I actually missed the beginning of the oh, first John yeah. movie. But the dog was a present from his late wife, wife. So it was the gift that he, his last gift that he received from her. So even that is tied in with a Did woman I, who died. <laughs> I'm going to say this now. I only have bardic knowledge of John Wick. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I've seen parts of it. I saw the most recent one because there's a big, yeah. There's, there's, there's three and a there's fourth three. coming. Well, there's a big fight scene in a stable in the last one. And my husband's like, you have to see this. This is really good. Yes, I've and heard no good horses things. are harmed in it. So. And no horses are harmed. Yeah, otherwise he would not have shown that to me. Right. He would have me, <laughs> oh no. Yeah, he would get me very far away from that movie. I feel that. Yeah, thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> Next paragraph. Another point I think you skipped or rather dealt with tangentially, though you made jest about what? my comments. On- <laughs> Us? Us make jest? Tangentially? 
Sorry. Uh, you made just about my comment on being a good fit for the group, and that is that game masters are in demand. While I totally agree with your sentiments about trust and generosity to reactions, I still find that game masters aren't beholden to game with players that sabotage, have an unfavorable play style, or sulk about losing their fat loot, among other unfavorable tendencies as different players find them. Having listened backwards to your podcast, I hear that also you cultivate your groups. Should GMs be more selective in who they apply their services to? Fuck yes. Absolutely. Yes. You don't know it. You don't owe anyone your time. <laughs> yeah. If you're not having fun as a GM and the people you're playing with make you feel bad or aren't fun or like have a very different play style than you, then it's not fun. So stop. Don't do it. Don't do it. And no, I get now. I will also admit, like we live in a place where there is a lot of people, a lot of chances to find people who play in your style. So we are very blessed to live in one of the largest cities on the planet because we have a lot of options. We have right. 30 million options, actually. So, I mean, sure, and probably not that many play RPGs, but you know what I mean. You get the idea. LA. If you live in a small town somewhere and there's six people who play TTRPGs, you may not have... The option of saying, yeah. oh, I don't play with Steve. Yes, exactly. So you can... Sorry, of, Steve's. Although, <laughs> if you are the GM slash DM, you might have that power. Sure. Like, if you are the one person who runs games in your town and you say, this person is a dickhole, I don't want to play with them, you might have the power. Play play, play my elf star rules. <laughs> <laughs> Just kill the character and then never speak to that person again. Oh, yes. They're dead to the group. Yes. Yeah, you... GMing takes time and energy and, like, it's labor. And it's labor that we enjoy, but I also... Like, you don't all, not everyone enjoys being up at two in the morning. Like, does so-and-so have knock? Should I be worried about that in this next encounter? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And so if you don't want to interact with someone and yet, or like, if you don't, if they're not, it's not fun unless you're getting paid. And even if you're getting paid, like. Don't spend too much time thinking about how you can Steve-proof your adventure as it is. If Steve isn't a fun player, then don't play with Steve. Yeah. So here's the question, though. Okay. Is bad gaming worse than no gaming? I think it depends yes. on the flavor of bad gaming. Okay. So as a woman who's been playing in this hobby for some time, things are a lot better for women in the hobby now. Like a lot better. When I started, people would be active assholes at the table. Not in our groups, but because, you know, we, we were all friends. But like when I went to conventions and stuff and would play or show up, like there were people who literally were, were assholes on purpose because sure. I was there. So there's different flavors. If someone is just like really stingy about their loot, like maybe that's not a deal breaker. Like maybe that's like, okay, I know as a GM, I just don't fuck with Steve's pile of stuff. Like, okay, that's your stuff, Steve. You've licked it. It's yours. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and something like that may not be a deal breaker. You might still have a good time. You might still, if you find yourself being excited about playing despite Steve licking his stuff, cool. You're having a good time. Like enjoy it. Play with it. If it starts to pile up, if it starts to be more stuff, like, okay, everyone here just wants to do dungeon crawls, and I would love to roleplay a little bit, that gets to be harder because it's like a completely different wanted outcome. And maybe you can find a balance for that. Maybe you can be like, okay, we're going to do a combat every game, but we're also going to have some roleplaying. And if you roleplay, you'll get extra XP, which you can use to buy stuff that you can lick, Steve. It'll be great. <laughs> it's real different. Post-pandemic. Again, I apologize to all Steves. <laughs> yeah, it, I dated yeah. Steve in high school. I'm allowed to be mean to them. Yeah, but I have a friend who's Steve who also plays games with us, and I don't oh. want him to think that I'm oh. specifically pointing him out. Yeah, I'm sorry. It Steve. was just a name that popped off at the top okay. of my head. I'm sorry. It, I have issues with that. I am of the, like, I get that, where it's like, you can kind of see what works for you. It is I am a believer, and it is always worth trying once or twice to see if you can make things work. But no, if someone's not good to game with, it, there you have so many options now that, it, like online gaming, et cetera, which has showed up in the uh, chat. Mm -hmm. We have options, so you aren't relegated to only the five people you can scrounge up in your hometown. It but actively I can fix hurts. Them. Absolutely not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's oh, the thing is like it active that's a whole nother email. <laughs> yeah. It actively hurts you. If you're sitting there and you're like, I get stressed and upset every Thursday night because I have game on Thursday night and I don't want to go. That says a lot. Yeah. Like you don't want some it to be become something you hate. 
So yeah, bad gaming's bad. Yeah, I think I was describing to you and Jason the other day when we were hanging out about my existential crisis every week about One Ring. So I have this cycle that I go through every single week where like starting about Thursday, I start to get really nervous and really stressed out. And like, oh gosh, I'm gonna, it's going badly. It's, I'm gonna ruin it. It's gonna be terrible. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I need to review all these rules. I need to look up all this lore stuff. I need to take notes. I inevitably don't really have time to do any of the things that I'm like, I have to do this thing. So it gets to Monday and I'm like stress reading the books over recess time because I'm a fourth grade teacher for people who might just be listening for the first time. And then it's like, I get there and I'm like nervous and we start playing and my nervousness kind of melts away in the first couple minutes. And then at the end of the game, you get this, like, we just, we love it. Like we had so much fun and you're on this high and I can't sleep till like 2 a.m., which really sucks the next morning, <laughs> but it's so much fun. And all I can think about is like what we're going to do next time. And then I just like ride this high until like Wednesday and then Thursday, the stress starts creeping in. But like, if you're not having that fun, like euphoric moment at any point, either before, during, or after your game, reflect, like figure out why. And maybe it's not the right system. Maybe it's not the right play group. Maybe you're taking it too seriously, which not, I shouldn't be saying that to you. I'm a hypocrite. But anyway, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you should have those moments, even if it's not every single game. You should have those moments at some point. And if you're not, you need to figure out why. And if it's the other people at the table, which a lot of times it's that, because that's the biggest variable in any gaming experience, then you have to really think about it. But I think the long and the short is that we all agree. If you're the game master, you should be selective with who you run games for. Yeah. If you're not, you're putting in the most work, you're putting in the most effort, you're the one who is guiding the whole story. And if you're not having a good time or if it isn't a good fit, you should not feel beholden to keep doing something that you don't like, just like you shouldn't do that in the rest of your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Like, this is fun. This is supposed to be your fun. If you're not having fun, find a different way to have fun. Yeah. Or go to happyjacks.org slash Discord. That's the word I was looking for. I'm like, <laughs> like not forums. I'm running anymore. through yeah. like the flip. Forum. Yeah. It's like, there's like, oh, Patreon. Oh, yeah. Oh. Discord, yeah. HappyDex.org slash Discord. We have a huge community. There's like 600 people there now that you can, and a bunch of people want to run games and are running games all the time. You can find people to play with. People are running games all the time that I would love to play in. And I'm yeah. not available because I have a toddler that I have to, not old enough. She has so many needs right now. Except you, Steve. Yeah. yeah. You know what you did. You know. <laughs> I was going to oh make a gosh. joke about licking and I just shouldn't do that. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I have some questions about the benevolent Empress's vocation and how it fits into game mastering RPGs that I'll leave for a different email, as I'd like to take a seemingly oppositional point to my last suggestion of topic and boldly claim to be opposed to what one of your studio people said back in season 20 or so, I only play con games with GMs I know. My sentiment is that not only is that more elitist than I am sounding, but also a great disservice to our community as a whole. I find playing with new people a positive in and of itself, although I'll gladly say once was enough, but if people just sign up for their Rockstar Friends games, not only will less people experience the Rockstar GMs and learn from the best, but budding GMs will struggle to find players and or try GMs experienced, difficult, unskilled players while being a rookie GM themselves. While I don't believe that we owe the community this, should we older and more experienced gamers trying to encourage... What? Really, you had to use the word older. Like, you had to? It's fine. Continue. (laughs) Should we wiser and more experienced gamers try to encourage other game masters by participating in their comm games and leave room for players in our friends' awesome gaming sessions at cons? I still believe you should play with those you prefer in your home games. So I think that question boils down to, we have a lot of friends. Should I take up a spot in one of Kimmy's games because I can play with Kimmy anytime and I'm depriving someone who doesn't get to game with Kimmy from having that awesome experience? Fill in. No, you're. Yeah. Any, anyone else? <laughs> I just, dis- my partner and I differ from this greatly. I am bad at learning new rule sets quickly. I have very bad social anxiety and I am AFAB and female presenting in a gaming nerd space. So I have a lot of anxiety that comes with that. So for a long time, I only played at tables where I knew at least one person at the table. Most of the time that meant playing at games where they someone I knew was GMing. And that is because in a con setting, as Kimmy has already brought up, sometimes it can be scary. And also 
I don't, actually don't always have time to game with certain friends. So it is nice if I'm learning a new system to be with someone I know. Mm-hmm. That is, I will admit, a little bit of a privilege because I know other gamers. I think that there are reasons people do what they do and they shouldn't feel ashamed about it. But it is true, like, I'm not going to elbow my way in front of someone who wants to play with Kimmy who's here from Norway or genuinely just doesn't get to play with Kimmy as much. So <laughs> not everyone gets to play with me as much as Claire does. That is true. So I actually have like set, well, not rules. I highly encourage Happy Jacks people to try and leave space in each other's games. And it's easier than it used to be for a while. Like you'd look at a game and be like, oh, great. So-and-so's running a game. And because part of this is having people come and play in our games and learning and trying new things. And, you know, it's hard to give advice about running games when you only ever run for rock star tables. But you have to have some of those experiences of, okay, there's this person who is really great and they had a really great heart and they were trying really hard. I'd never met them before. They just signed up because they thought the game sounded great. They had no idea what Happy Jacks was. And you can learn and you become a much better GM that way. I feel like I have grown so much in just even before, since running Decima. Like I was running Decima at cons a ton for as many strangers as possible on purpose. And I feel like if you watch my GMing before that and you watch my GMing now, it's like night and day, even though it's only been a couple Mm. of years. Because of those experiences of running games for people, I have no idea what they'll like. I have no idea what they'll know. And I'm much better thinking on my feet now and coming up with interesting places for the story to go and wrapping up storylines because I don't know them. So I can't predict like, oh, I know Jason will love this. Oh, Clara will be a sucker for this little flying alien that'll have a funny giggle. Throw a robot in for Jason. Yeah, yeah. Like triangles, everything's great. (laughs) How do you deal with the fact that at 2 a.m. you're going to be like, that one guy really did not like my game? Yeah. (laughs) You just have to get over it. Like, yeah. And it's one of those things where like, it's like a a contract. Like, okay, I'm going to sign up. I'm going to show up. I'm going to do my best to play your game. You're going to do your best to run it. And I straight up say, hey, at the beginning, and I, I say, like, open door policy. I know we're in a room that doesn't really have doors, but, like, you can leave at any time. If you're not having fun, like, you've only got, like, 48 hours, 72 hours of a convention. Like, don't waste it sitting at my table for my feelings' sake. Because I guarantee, like, both you and I will have a better time if you, you leave. Get up and leave. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're hating every minute of this and you're sitting here, I'm good enough at reading body language that I will know and it will become... Like, like worse for me as I sit here than if you're just like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom with all of my things. And then we'll or just... Or even just be honest. Say yeah. like, hey, th- thank yeah. you for running this for me. It's just not my jam. I hope you have a great con. Yeah. And I've had people get up at my con games before and leave. And then I've had other people sit down because I usually, usually like I'm like enough of a improv GM now. I'm like, hey, you, you're walking by. You don't I have an empty seat. You want to fill it? You, you're like 45 minutes in. I can make stuff up. It'll be great. And, like, what happened at the last con. Right, right. And it ended up amazing. It was, like, like that person's character kind of became, like, the new kind of, like... Spoke. Spoke. that like hub. Hub, yeah. And it's both... They work for, like, a bunch of other parts of the story. And it was really cool. And that never would have happened if we hadn't... I think his name is Daniel. <laughs> Which I tried to email him, and he never, like, emailed back after that. I hope my email didn't bounce or something. But, like, we'd never met him before. He'd never met any of us at the table before. And it was just a really fun thing. I love and respect you. I will cry. <laughs> I'll get through it, but I will cry. <laughs> it gets easier. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things, like the first game I ran at a con, if someone had gone up and left right then, I would have been like... Kimmy would have been crushed. I'm never I would never have done it again. <laughs> I still, like, I obsessed, and it was like, yeah, like, oh, man, that, those are oh, yeah. first couple were very, very hard. The good thing is to, like, seed it with a few people you know, like some plants in there. See? Yeah, and then you yeah. have, like, some open seats that you keep open. Yeah, I do plan on running con games at some point. I just mm-hmm. got to get over the hump of not having any time. Yeah, that is definitely yeah. a thing. So I have, I have two things to say on, on this subject. One is, if I have friends who are great game masters and I really want to play in their games, even if I have options to play with them outside of it, what I'll try and do is... If I don't have anything else going on, I'll go, like, observe the game. Mm -hmm. And if there's a seat needed, then I'll step in. But I'll try and let other people go before I do. I know I've done that for several of Kimmy's games. I'm like, no, 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 I'll just watch and everything. And then eventually she'll usually just pull me in because... We only have eight people. It's fine. It's cool. (laughs) But that way you're kind of doing both. You're being there to support your friends. So, And also that can help protect them in case 
they don't get anyone to show up. And that feels like shit. Yeah. There was someone who used to be one of the people in Happy Jacks. They ran a game. Nobody else showed up for that game but me. And it I could tell that it just was devastating to that person. Yeah. And, and I can't imagine that being me. I would have totally sucked. So to have that space to be able to make sure that they can have a full game is great without depriving new people who might want to become enamored of that person's style or become a fan of the show. Obviously, that isn't everybody's concern. But if you are doing a good job, you want to introduce people to a game that you're passionate about and you love. Yeah, exactly. I think there's that special balance there. A lot of cons have the alternate signups. So if you go as a friend and put your name down as an alternate rather than signing up for a full spot, then that gives them some, at least for me, when I see friends down as like alternates, I take a breath of relief because I know that no matter even if there's only one or two spots taken in my game out of five or six, I'll have probably at least three or four, which is enough to run a game. Right. Because that feeling does suck. And I've had that happen. And I've had that where you're like, okay, do I run it with two people or do I just call it? Because that's going to be really hard. And then usually what happens, I've had people like, I think this last con, one of my games that I was running only had two people signed up. So I literally was going around to all my friends. What are you doing? What are you, <laughs> what are you doing at two o'clock? Now you're playing in my game. What are you doing at two o'clock? Nothing. Now you're in my game. <laughs> like, Yeah, I have a new fear now. <laughs> But usually yeah. there's enough people around, you know, because we're, you know, we're lucky enough that there's usually a lot of Happy Jacks people at the cons that yeah. you can usually get someone to sit need, there. I just need to stand in the back of the room like a mom who's taking yeah. their kid to the pool for the first, yeah. their first day of swim class. like, cool, she's making friends. She's not. Okay, she's good. Yeah, that's exactly, <laughs> basically, yeah. The other thing that I wanted to say is I do think it's important to experience games from other people and not just always, especially at a con. Don't always just run with the people that you know. Don't sit in on all your friends' games exclusively, partly because you already know what's going on with them to some degree. You're probably going to have a chance to game with them at another point. And especially if you think they're really good, let other people experience that and also get hyped about your friend who's doing it. The flip side of that, though, is while I will go sit with new people, I don't exclusively sit with the people that I know. But I do have a list of people who I won't sit with a second time. So this sounds elitist and like a real shitty thing, but there are actually people that I have gone to, been in their game at a con, and just had a really bad experience. I just don't want to do that ever again. Yeah. So it's not a lot. It's not like I'm taking everybody's name. So if you game with me, you're not on the list, most likely, because you probably don't listen if you are on the list because you sucked. (laughs) But... And I don't like I don't go out of my way. I'm not going to tell you who those people are. I'm not I don't publish it to anybody, but I will just know like, oh, that guy ran this game I didn't like. So I'm not going to sit in on this one because it's probably going to be the same. Yeah. The Nick Blacklet. I got to (laughs) know. But who? I I just go to cons and adopt people like people will be playing my games. and I'll be like, hey, we're friends now. Cool. Like, we're just friends. And oh, we're hey, we're playing at my house on Saturday. Like, I don't know. Yeah, like, no, it was that. easier, I guess, when it was at Stu's house and not my house. Now That's that I, true. yeah, no, I'll invite you over to his house. Are you an expert? Not going to be my house. It'll be fine. But Stu's totally alive still. but honestly if you ever talk to a bunch of people at happy jacks like there's like that's kind of like the awkward origin story for a lot of how they got here i'm like hey we're friends now cool let's hang out in game i think honestly i think that's how i got brought in I i knew you from other stuff from, I think, Saving Throw or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I used to do Saving Throw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I knew you from that, and you were coming and hanging out, and I was like, hey, come have lunch with us. Okay. And then you're just like, we, I kept you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just hoarding gamers? <laughs> literally what I do. I'm just like, hey, you're nice. But that's the thing. Like, we don't do, like, casting calls or anything, like a lot of other channels, because I don't want to deal with that. So it's like, you are my friend's friend, and that's how you get in. Or, like, I meet you, and you become my friend, and that's how you get in. Right. Because I don't I don't want to deal with the other stuff. <laughs> anyway. So lastly, an avid listener, Michael E., Michael or Mickey on Discord. P.S. In Norway, we have a phrase which translates to Polish National Assembly, which translates to a chaotic or noisy gathering in which it's almost impossible to agree on anything. So I guess it's fair to assume I'm Polish or maybe it was a witty observation of my proclivities. <laughs> P.P.S. Norwegian Vikings are most likely a large reason behind my English love of understatement humor, so my use of annoyed should be considered in a different context than me being a second language English speaker. Ah. P.P.P.S. 
I don't have a suggestion for a drinking game this time around, and I apologize for the length of my missive. As someone who is just starting to listen to podcasts last year, I really enjoying how you really discuss topics in the moment and not just read off some pros and cons. I also enjoy your wit, tangents, and even Stu's intricately set up dad jokes. Yeah, he worked hard on those. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Does. Currently, he does work hard on those. He still works on them even. Even. Hashtag Stu is alive. (laughs) (laughs) He was really excited though. Hashtag the walrus is Stu. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He actually, we were texting earlier this week and uh, he was really excited because I was looking at Happy Jacks is now regularly bumping back into the top 200 gaming podcasts um, in the U.S. And I was just checking because the charts in every country are different. Mm-hmm. So we're like in the high 80s in Canada and stuff like that. I don't know. We're, we're higher than that. But Stu's GM Roundtable or whatever it was, his old podcast that he hasn't done in like 11 years. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was like 85th on their Canadian gaming thing, which was really was strange. Excellent. So I took a picture and I sent it to him. And I'm like, they still love you in Canada. Oh, yeah. GM Briefing. It was 84 last week on the Canadian Apple Podcasting Gaming. He really hits the, I know it's a legitimate thing and I'm so excited, but also it really does hit the, like, girlfriend in Canada vibe. Of just, <laughs> I was texting He's him. alive in Canada. Yeah, He was Canada. alive and also big in Canada. But, like, I legit, like, I can't remember. Like, that podcast ended almost immediately. And so it must have been at least 11 years ago that the last one was posted. Yeah, it was a long time. Long ago. time ago. People just like digging through all the guess. Shit. I'm it, okay with that. Yeah, it's cool. It's just hilarious. It's just not what I was expecting. And as I was scrolling through the list, I was like, oh, hey, there's a, what? <laughs> I know. GM briefing. I know that bad graphic. What is this? <laughs> he knows that it's terrible. <laughs> all right. Mailbag number three. I guess this is my turn, huh? Mm-hmm. Hello, gang. It's Eric from New Jersey writing in, hoping all is well with the group of you. I haven't heard it yet, but I have heard that there was a LARP horror story. This is a while ago, sorry. I also heard that someone is going to write in about LARP safety tools and things of that nature. Also already happened a while ago. So this is a LARP story, but not that. As those of you on Discord know, or maybe not, I suffer from depression and anxiety. My LARP is 18 plus for insurance cost reasons. This means I couldn't take either of my children until they were grown up. My 12-year-old Jacob wanted to not have to wait that long, so I searched for LARPs that allowed children to begin. I eventually settled on Mystic Realms in southern New Jersey. NJ's New Jersey, right? I got that one right? Yeah. That yeah. One right? This, okay. this, time, this time. Excellent. This time. <clears throat> okay. It wasn't uh, Mystic Realms in southern Nora Jones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, who knows? All right. North Jackson. North Jackson. I was going to say North Jackson. <laughs> I was, I've, I'm just racking my yeah. brain. As the day approached, my anxiety has started playing with my head. Through the encouragement of close friends and the other jackers on the Discord, I forced myself to go. My mind still played with me. What if I ruined the game for people? What if Jacob hated it and wanted to leave? What if I didn't mesh with these people like I did at the LARP I've been going to for 28 years? Wow, I just have to say, I don't know how long you've been (laughs) doing LARP, but 28 years seems like a long time, so good on you. Good on you, yeah. Did we be brave enough to leave that? Yeah. But I was bolstered by the confidence of others to make the trek and try it with Jacob in tow. The experience made me cry with how nice and welcoming everyone was. We talked a lot about safety with my son and tested him out on the trails, basically small groups of around six PCs going on mini-adventures. And after some assessment, Jacob was allowed to do everything but the chaotic major fights on Saturday. They took the time to explain the safety concerns of the larger fights. There was a slightly smaller daytime fight on Sunday that they allowed him to participate in. And I was appreciative that they took the time to do this. This is so cute. This is so good. They also kept telling Jacob how brave he was and how good he was with a bow, which bolstered his confidence there. At one point early on, I did screw up and I went on a trail but left my character sheet behind. My anxiety started rearing its ugly head. And when I was looking in my pouch for the character sheet, when the guide on the trail said kindly, don't worry, we've all done that. It will be okay. And from there, we kept going. This type of behavior existed the entire weekend. Their obvious cares for collaborative storytelling and safety. It was a wonderful experience. Unlike my other LARP, it also allowed me to say that I fought enemies while supported by the hyperactive mouse people necromancers. (laughs) Cool, cool. After the LARP, people were kind, telling me how much they enjoyed role-playing with me and also complimenting Jacob for following the rules. So thank you to the Jackers who said I should go. Jacob wants to know when we can go again. And said that the LARP was better than video games. Woo! Yeah. 
To be able to share my hobby with one of my sons and have them enjoy it, it's pure happiness. Anyway, I hope in your gaming you have some fun. Stay happy, stay diverse, stay positive. Cheers, Eric from New Jersey. That's so sweet. So good. I I made my own LARP merch for the game I'm in. I had to show it this time. Yeah, it's like a college at like yeah, my like college sweatshirt looking thing, but it's for I have a college sweatshirt, but it's like for this game I play. Yeah, that's really sweet. Awesome. I love that they took the time to kind of work with the kids and assess them and say, okay, like this would be a good fit for you. You can do this. You can do that. That's like some really thoughtful kind of like like helpful things for especially for parents. I've never heard of that. Oh yeah, there's. It's different, like, I mean, you do this at a tabletop as well, where you're, like, not so much, like, assessing them physically and making sure that they're safe. But, like, safety is such a big thing in LARP and in in all role-playing everything because our brains really do not know the difference between when I am crying because a family member passed away and I'm crying because my dragon passed away in my game. And so... Like all of these emotional and physical safety tools are super important, and I love that. Yeah, and having being able to like having a thoughtful and good safety team is so important. Yeah, well, and knowing that a kid can be really responsible in some areas, so can probably participate in all the quest stuff and even some parts of the battle, but maybe the big battle isn't a good idea. And feeling that out for each kid, because like, okay, I work with thirty six like ten year olds every single day. There are kids I would absolutely trust to do something. There are kids I will not let out of my sight ever. Like, <laughs> yeah. I will walk with them every moment of their day that I am a- allowed to because they will hurt themselves or others. I love them anyway. But, you know, so the kids, like, there's such a diversity of the responsibility that kids can take or the emotional interaction that they can handle. Conversations. Some of them are very able to jump in and pretend with things, and some of them are not able to at all. And it's really interesting when you, you know when we're doing different group projects, and I do a lot of different things where they have to do reports or they pretend to be a someone from this thing, and they do you know I have all these like weird things because I'm a weird person. But just seeing how different people shine at things, and sometimes you are totally blown away by someone that you didn't expect to do super well. Yeah, this is my. I feel like I find a way to mention LARP. Every time I come on the Adventure Show now. Literally about LARP. So it's sort say, of aimed at you. Thank goodness. <laughs> I will say that, like, you know how there's the trope of, like, people are, are, like, you graduate college and, like, I'm going on a road trip to find myself or, like, I'm going to Europe to find myself if I can afford it. The, <laughs> like, you didn't go missing in Europe to go find you, but, like, you're putting yourself in situations that you might never see in real life or that you might not have encountered before by just doing something that's super out of your comfort zone. So, like... In the way that tabletop RPGs can sometimes allow us to experience, like, to experience some fun stories and storytelling that we might not have thought about or experienced, I super recommend LARPing, even if it's just, like, murder mystery in your house with your friends. <laughs> yeah. Just getting really into Monopoly. <laughs> you can probably find one of those old how to host a murder. Yeah. Those, those are really fun. I did those, yeah. Yeah. Because it, there's something, it hits real different when you're, like, I, when, when, like, if you're sitting at a table, you're like, my stat says that I can hit this guy with my sword. And then, oh, um, I lost HP because I get hit back. It hits real different when that person is coming after you with a sword, even if they're just wearing all black and they have, like, a cheap Halloween mask on. Mm-hmm. It just hits different. Yeah. And it hit, really does sort of teach you, like, ah, yes, I'm anal retentive in every medium. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. I, I was just showing that, yes, the panic of someone coming at you with a foam weapon, even though you know you're not going to get hurt, mm-hmm. can cause you to go ahead and get hurt. For people who aren't seeing, I have some that? great scars from, from the LARP that I participated in. Yeah, a few weeks ago. Uh, with that, because you just... You, Wait, what the fuck? You didn't, you didn't <laughs> I don't this? know the story. I have okay, to know. I'll, I'll tell you off, I'll tell you <laughs> yeah, off here. This that. happened in, in November. This was the November yeah. November game. Yeah. Holy shit. Okay. But, but yeah... I think, honestly, like, we don't have any skin in the game for Mystic Realms or anything, but I do want to shout you out if any of you happen to be listening to the show. It's awesome that you're letting this be a pastime that not only adults but also kids can experience, and it sounds like you have great staff who are on there making sure that the kids are having a good time, making sure that there is a load off of the parents' mind as well, and knowing that they can be trusted and in a trustworthy environment. So, fantastic. 
in any sort of circumstance, whether it's LARP or whether it's RPGs or whether it's chess tournaments, knowing that there are safe places where the kids can be brought up to to have that be a safe hobby, it's fantastic. And so hats off to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I honestly never really thought about like insurance reasons for there being like age limits for LARPs. I said that makes so much sense. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's such a big part of it. I'm sure like it's just something that never really occurred to me. I'm used to thinking about it with like school events and school districts and concerts and things like that. But it's like, oh, yeah, no, this is a big big event that people are going to. They Mm -hmm. need insurance. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm part of one that you can drink at after hours and like, it's excellent. Yeah. But yeah, the, I also like, I also love the part of the reason that we got this email was because just the Happy Jacks community was like, we're really good at gassing each other up. And I love that. (laughs) I like when places are non-toxic. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Jackers. Yeah. And we, we totally get how the anxiety can be hard to deal with. Absolutely. Oh my God. Um, and like, but the fact that you overcame it for your kid and like to like still have a great experience, both you and your child, like that just like made my night. Thank you. <laughs> good job, Eric. Good job. Feels so good. All right. All right. I think that's everything. Yeah. That was good. It's so nice to end like that super happy story. <laughs> <laughs> and not on a horror story. <laughs> yeah. And we do. We have like, we have such a great community and a great discord and everything. So good. All right. Thank you for joining us for Season 31, Episode 12 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. Please visit gemroomgames.com to support our amazing indie designers of the month, Gemroom Games. Thank you to our chat mod, James V, and to our amazing Patreons who keep us ad-free and independent. You can join their amazing ranks at happyjacks.org Patreon. And my name is Kimmy. I'm Clara. I'm Nick. And this week, we're going to leave you with a song called 500 Miles. It's by a group called, what are they called, Clara? The Merry Wives of Windsor. Oh, God. that (laughs) I was like, where's Sutter? I don't know. How did we meet, Clara? The Merry Wives of Windsor. We figured it out. It does not translate to It does not, no. (laughs) If you're just listening, go back and find the the, uh, replay on this. It was at... Who knows? An hour and 20 minutes into the show? An hour and 16 minutes. Oh, I was pretty yeah. good. You're good. Just Kimmy and I having Pavlovian panic. Yeah. <laughs> when you end the same show at the Ren Fair with your arms doing the same thing for enough years, they just start doing they it. They just go. They just do it. It was not that great. You don't have to. <laughs> Someone's going to clip it now. Yeah, I need it. <laughs> and you can find them at mwowmwow.net. And thank you all. We'll see you next week. If you miss the train I'm on, you will know that I am gone. You can hear the whistle blow a hundred miles. Lord, I'm one, Lord, I'm two, Lord, I'm three.
This show is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sues performed our intro music, and our ending song was played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts. Mm-hmm.